Welcome to Foster Carolina's podcast, connecting the Carolinas to foster care. I am so excited about today's guest, but before we get to that, I do have to go over just a few opportunities that we have available, at least of these Carolinas. If you are interested in serving children in foster care and um, that's just kind of your jam and you want to get more involved, I have the place for you to plug in. We have our Bridge Camp. For those of you that don't know what Bridge Camp is, that is a camp for children in foster care. The dates this year are August 6th through the 10th. It is an overnight camp for these kids, but mostly right now we've filled all of our counselor spots. We're really looking for volunteers. So that means you would sign up to show up and be there for four or five hours. You can find that volunteer sign up on our website at lotcarolinas.com and go under programs and services, click on Bridge Camp, and it's right there. If you follow us on social media, which I hope you do, you could find that there as well. We also have our Shoes of Hope event coming up. And so just be watching our socials um, and we will be posting a sign up link for that soon. We'll also have that on our website. Um, And if you're interested in volunteering in our office, we are always looking for in-office volunteers. You again can find a volunteer application online to fill that out. Um, But just, I am so excited about being in the studio today with someone I think is an expert and I think you will enjoy meeting him as well. So come on in the studio with me. Well, welcome to today's podcast. I am so excited about our um, visitor today. It's Mr. Will Jones, right? Yep. And you're the CEO (laughs) of Thompson Child and Family Focus. Yes, ma'am. Tell me in just briefly, what is Thomas Thompson? I'm sorry. And what do they do? It's okay. Um, So Thompson has been around for about 135 years, predominantly in the Charlotte Mecklenburg area, but have done different things in and out of South Carolina and different communities in the state of North Carolina. But generally what we do is three things. Uh, We focus on early childhood education, family stability, which um, a lot of our foster care work um, lies underneath there. I'll get there in a second. And then mental health services, both community mental health services and residential services um, for adolescents and children ages 5 to 12. Um, Under family stability, what we've done over the last three years is grown our foster home continuum from about 27 foster homes serving 27 children to today about 275 foster homes from the beach to the mountains, um, serving about 275 children on any given day. And our goal is to be at 400 foster homes in the state of North Carolina in the next 16 to 18 months. Awesome. That's great. And today I invited you to specifically talk about a new teen foster care program that you have. And I have a huge heart for teens um, because we adopted our son. He came into our home at 18 and we adopted him at 19. And so I know that um, a lot of times we run into parents or parents that want to be foster parents and they're like, we want five and younger, five and younger, (laughs) but we have all these teenagers that need homes. And so just tell me a little bit about that fostering a teen and what that might look like. Yeah. um, You know, you know, first of all, let's talk about fostering teens, right. Or even being a parent to a teen since I have um, five children and um, two of them are, are past their teenage years into early adulthood and now I have a 13-year-old, so I'm getting ready to deal with teens um, once again. I mean, you know, there's a lot of life change uh, for a teenager, um, which creates a lot of life change in the home and the family system. Mm-hmm. Um, when you combine it with children that come into the foster care system, 
that they may have been in the system for a long time, so they may have come into the system at an earlier age, mm-hmm. prior to being a teen. And they um, have basically stayed in the system in different ways, shapes, or forms, possibly because of mental health issues or behavioral issues or instability in different ways. Now, they're teens that have actually grown up in the system at some, at some level. And they come with a lot of, which we talked about kind of pre to the airing, a lot of what I call re-traumatization. Um, you know, every time your worker changes, um, you could be re-traumatized. Every time you have a placement move, you could be re-traumatized. Many of them have siblings that are, are in the system or maybe even have aged out of the system at different times or they don't live with and interact with the way a normal um, family system um, is structured. Um, so that creates traumatization. Um, and, and through that, their needs are exacerbated or heightened. Mm-hmm. And what we see at Thompson is a lot of times, um, one is to your point, a lot of foster parents aren't interested in um, teenage to dealing with teenagers because of those sit- different situations, puberty and other yeah. things that happen <laughs> and um, you become a teenager. But also the inherent trauma um, that, that basically what we call, st- it stacks. You stack in trauma on top of trauma. And so now you're, you're seeing the behavior, but you're not going past the behavior to see the trauma. You know, why is it, the, why are they acting the way they're acting? Um, what are we doing to kind of build resiliency and hope in them and showing them that you can get past that trauma with the right supports? You know, and a foster parent or foster family is part of that natural support system that could really help give them healing and hope. Um, but it's a difficult situation. So let's go back. How long have you been doing this? Um, you know, I stopped counting. <laughs> but um, right around 28 years, um, I've been in this world predominantly um, in the not-for-profit human service space, but I started out in public sector. So the first 18 years of my career, I worked in Florida, Um, predominantly Orlando, if you're familiar with Central Florida and um, and systems in and around that. Florida is a a heavily privatized child welfare system. So we're here in the state of North Carolina where DSSs actually provide protective services and even some foster care recruitment Mm -hmm. and support. in Florida, only private entities do those things. Oh, okay. All the way down to you know what what somebody would say a DSS worker, that actually a, be a private agency worker um, supporting foster kids and foster families. Completely different than North Carolina. Then, yep, it's a completely different system. Um, you know, and through that, it has its own challenges. Um, but but in, in addition, it helps you, I think, be a little bit more well rounded on how you approach the work. Now, being in North Carolina. Um, for the last nine and a half years, I was traveling nationally for, for five of those nine and I've been at Thompson for four years. Um, you know, I bring that vantage point to our work here mm-hmm. to, to be able to see, um, that other states, how other states function and what works in other communities, in other states, and what doesn't work in other communities in other states. And how can we meld that into our work here in the Carolinas? Right. Well, um, so how many, so we're talking about a different teen foster care program. Yep. So this is not just you want to be a family foster. This is a very specific. And and tell me, like, where did this come from and how is it different and all of that? Yeah, so, you know, Thompson, um, we pride ourselves on being um, solution-oriented. So as you can imagine, um, in our foster care programming, which has grown by 10 times in the last three years, which is amazing on its own, kudos to my team. Um, I did almost nothing that outside of say, go grow that because there's a need. Mm-hmm. But even today, we get about 90 calls a week, um, 30 per region. So our regions are split up in the east, central, and west. Mm-hmm. So we get about 30 calls every single week to our foster care program looking for placements. And as you can imagine, 
a lot of times we can't meet the need with our current continuum, even though it's grown. Um, so we've been talking with community leaders through LMEMCOs, um, partners, Cardinal, VIA, um, Alliance, and others, in addition to DSS leadership in different counties, and this ongoing issue and need around um, more resources for teens mm -hmm. um, that's outside of a group environment um, is really needed. Um, as, as you can imagine, I've talked about it, we, we do a lot of work with adolescents in a psychiatric residential treatment environment or a level three group home environment, but there's really something needed in the middle yeah. um, before, before you go into a residential environment, but it's a little bit more intense than a therapeutic foster home environment. Okay. So one of the things that we did, we started looking and researching across the country about what exists out there that might be able to work here in the state of North Carolina. And we landed on this evidence-based model called Treatment Foster Care Oregon. Um, and we said, how can we bring that to be a solution to a part of a, of a challenge we're dealing with here in the state um, to bear? Mm -hmm. um, we, we started talking with a model developer. And then what we did is go out and talk to partner organizations, predominantly the LMEMCOs, to say, here's a challenge you guys are facing in your systems. Uh, we'd like to help be a, be a part of the solution, and we think this will work. Are you interested in partnering with us to invest into starting this model up? Um, here we are about six months later, and we have about $1.5 million of seed money. That's cool. Um, cobbled together by three LMMCOs, and we're going to launch this model. Um, hopefully sometime between October and December, we'll take our first child, uh, maybe multiple children, um, in about, and we'll be available in about 60 counties in the state of North Carolina when we go to full launch. Oh, that's awesome. So, we, you know, we think it's, you know, a lot of things happen here locally, but sometimes you got to go out and seek what's working in other communities, other states, and try to bring it here because it doesn't exist here currently. And group homes are kind of going away in North Carolina, or at least that's the goal from the state. Is that what I've heard? You know, I can't speak to the goal of the state, but I could tell you in the industry, there's been a long-standing goal to get away from um, residential um, programming. Uh, most recently, we've actually started growing more residential programming at Thompson because there seems to be not enough beds to meet the current needs. <clears throat> we do understand that with Treatment Foster Care Oregon and, and, and Enhanced growth in um, therapeutic foster care, mm -hmm. that the need for those residential programs will wane. We want that to happen. So inherently, we believe that children are better, better off in a family system or a family-like setting. Unfortunately, right now, there's a need for both. So um, we're prepared to grow into residential services and then also scale those down as we build up foster, more foster homes and family-like settings for our kids. So this teen foster care program is really more for those difficult mm. teens that have experienced a lot of trauma that would normally be in a residential care facility. So how does that training look different? How does the support look different? If there's a foster parent or somebody thinking that might be for me, like what, what kind of support do they get? From yeah. Thompson? Yeah. Great question. And, you know, and, and, and most of this is just baked into the model itself. So each, um, each team, so there's a support team, will service up to 10 children okay, um, and, and or 10 homes. So, and that's a team of six. So 10 children will actually have a complete team of six working with them. Okay. So what does that look like from a foster parent perspective? First of all, it's an enhanced rate okay. to help support some of the needs in the, in, in the home. Okay. I want to be real clear. I've been doing this for a long time and, and, and we're, we understand that your rate doesn't even cover the cost of care for a kid. 
Right. But the enhanced rate does help with some of that. So um, it's $100 a day, day, a day daily rate for the foster home, okay. which is a lot more enhanced than therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to that, the child will, will have an assigned therapist okay. that will work with him and the foster parents. Okay. They also have uh, kind of a QP level position that helps with skill building in the home, can give foster parent relief. They'll come in um, and work with the child one-on-one on any life skills or any skills that, that, that may need to be addressed in the home. Um, in conjunction with a foster parent. That sounds awesome. It's a skill building approach. Um, in addition to that, there is, to your point, um, there is also, we, part of this model, which is interesting, we want to plan for discharge. You know, that's been an ongoing thing for 20 years. Plan for discharge at intake. Well, how does that occur? Uh, it almost never occurs. This model requires it to occur. So part of the dynamic of the model is we've already identified at least one placement option post the model, post the foster care placement. So we also have an assigned therapist that will be working with maybe with a kinship care provider or, or a non-relative placement or even a relative placement to prepare them to transition the child back into their home or into their home as a step down. So this is never meant to be a long-term solution. Correct. Y'all have got a transition plan. You're working towards that. And you're trying to get this teen ready to be able to be in a normal home setting. Planning for permanency. That's Absolutely. Great. And it's not, it's not intended, even though we, you know, when you look at states that have implemented this at scale, and generally there's only been two. Um, they're, they're doing this in other areas, but the state of Michigan and the state of Illinois have implemented this model at scale. Um, absolutely. You know, the intent is not to fail up. As you know, as a phrase that's been used in the system here, mm-hmm. it's to make sure that we're transitioning children, stepping them down um, into family-like setting or permanency options for them. So again, is that that therapist that works for that family-like setting to prepare them for the child's trauma and how to deal with it and cope it um, and build up and strengthen their system so mm-hmm. they can receive that child when they work through the program is super critical um, and, a, and a big plus in this model. So as you can imagine, generally speaking, a foster parent will probably receive some kind of either verbal or in-person connection with a member of that team daily. Okay. And probably would be able to see, visually see and interact with a member of that team probably three to four times a week. So it is an intensive support function. That's really cool. Um, as far as the training goes, um, obviously we, we license using the MAP mm-hmm. training or um, deciding together more flexible training opportunities. In addition to that, the model requires 40 hours additional training. As you can imagine, how to deal with adolescent behavior, um, understanding trauma. So um, normal MAPS training or deciding together is how many hours, and then this is just an additional, I think it's like yeah, 30 or something. That might be it. So it's an additional 40 hours, but it's getting you ready. And then are you limited to how many of these teens you can have in your home? Yes, it's only one. Oh, good. It sounds like, I love that because you're all focused on this one team trying to get them to be able to transition and be more independent and those kind of things. I love that. Um, And we want to keep the model pure, right? So, you know, I've seen this in several states, right? So you're at, maybe, maybe you're licensed for two or licensed for one. And then you get a phone call, please, please take this kid. We're going to, we're going to, depending on where your state you are, Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, we're going to, we're going to prove an overcap or whatever you want to call them. Um, or we want to in, um, increase your license to an additional one. Please, please, please take this kid. Um, what this program does is we want to be pure to the model. We want to deal with fidelity and rigor to make sure we get to the desired outcome for these young young children. Mm-hmm. 
I love that. What is the, do you know what a success rate is looking like in these other you know, States. yeah, no, I mean, it's different. I, unfortunately, I didn't prepare the data, and I apologize for that. But one thing I, I do know, and there's a couple things that are happening, is um, a lot more of these children without this intervention would, would go to um, higher levels of care. Mm-hmm. Um, they'd linger in care longer. We know that for a fact. The data tells us that clearly. I don't know the numbers. In addition to that, what they're seeing on a long-term outcome perspective is um, – there's a data point out there in foster care. A lot of a lot of children that have exposed has been exposed to the foster care system, um, actually, as parents, unfortunately, get involved as a system as an adult with their children. Yeah. So there's a long term outcome that's just been published that talks about how that's decreased immensely on the cohorts that have gone through this program model. So trying to get rid of that um, intergenerational abuse, neglect, or abandonment, or intergenerational um, system involvement is a big issue here as well. Okay. Well, that's exciting. Um, and if people want to know about this training or more information, they should just go to your website. Yeah, www. www I just added another W. I haven't <laughs> finished my coffee. I apologize. <laughs> dot Thompson, T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N, C-F-F dot org. And once you get to our website, we're marketing for, for just a few different things. One is community advocacy and support and Donor engagement, as, as every not-for-profit is, but then you should see pl- a plethora of opportunities to click a button to go to, how do I foster, how do I get involved from a fostering perspective, and we'll, we'll link you right to our technology platform that gets you going there. And you may not be, I mean, people may not be ready for this teen foster care program, but you're always looking for normal family foster homes as well, correct? Absolutely. You know, we believe that... Um, you know, I think a, a really good quality system, and I used to run child welfare systems in the state of Florida in different levels in different communities. Um, we need about four or five quality foster homes, in my opinion, for every one child in care. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. We're always looking to um, recruit people that want to um, open children, open their arms and their doors and their families to children that need them, um, that have the right temperament to deal with them, um, that just really want to just love on them and care for them and look past, again, again, look past their trauma, meet them where they are at, work with us to help stabilize behaviors, um, always. Um, and, you know, I think what we're trying to do is create op- several opportunities for people that want to foster to get engaged. So we have, to your point, we have traditional or basic foster care opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those are the ones that we're interested in five and under, <laughs> you know, yeah. or, or we want babies. Yeah. Um, well, well, come on. We mm-hmm. we want you. We want we want to love on you, and we want you to love on the children that we can place in your home. And, and then we have therapeutic. Yeah. And then we now have the teen the teen specific. This is awesome. And do y'all walk them through adoption if that's part of that plan? Do y'all help with that as well? Yeah, we um, we do. We don't we we're not an organization that does adoption services directly, but we definitely walk them through that process. If a child's rights have been terminated. Uh, we want to support our foster parents all the way through to the end, mm-hmm. um, to the permanency option for a child. And with adoption, you know, the goal of adoption is not the permanency, right? That's the permanency goal. The goal of a, the permanency option for adoption is actually to the day the child is adopted. Right. And in many cases, we've seen this in a lot of our foster homes. They'll adopt and they'll continue to adopt and we'll support that post-adoption mm-hmm. while they continue to foster. Um, awesome. So, yeah, we, we walk hand in hand with them. Uh, we also look at, you know, we also work with them on co-parenting to work with the biological parents. And if that's a viable, a permanency option for a child, depending on the situation. Um, but we really pride ourselves at Thompson of being super supportive to the foster parent. 
and being empathetic about what it means to be a, a foster parent and what it means to be a parent. Mm, um, yes. So one of the things that we pride ourselves on is that we're constantly engaging our foster parents in um, satisfaction surveys and how how's the support? Are you getting what you need? Does your worker respond to you when you need them to respond to you? Is leadership available to you? Um, are we blocking and tackling for you and the child in your home? And um, I'm pleasantly surprised. Our, our foster parent satisfaction ratings have been in the upper 90 percentile, 98 and above almost in every category for the last 12 months. That's awesome. So we, we do pride ourselves in being super supportive to foster parents. And I think that's a separator. Mm-hmm. So that's how we try to separate ourselves from other organizations that do our work. Mm-hmm. Well, I've heard a lot of good things. And I mean, we've, we, we started in 2013 and I didn't hear, I would hear about a family here and there with Thompson, but just here in the last year, it's like, everybody's, oh yeah, we love Thompson. We just got <laughs> licensed with Thompson. I'm like, this is great. And so I'm glad that we were able to meet. Um, so tell me one good story. You got to have a good story about a youth. Or, yeah, I'm or such something. a bureaucrat. I, I got to think about it. We see, I see, I, I ask for stories and I hear about them. Um, you know, I think here's a great story, and, and this involves a person that's now on our board. Um, it was a therapeutic foster placement for a young man that was um, 15, um, 16, highly traumatized, had a lot of behavioral issues, was behind educationally. Um, and through, you know, we use different evidence-based mo- programs um, in, our, in our foster parent mm-hmm. continuum. Um, but I think this, this young man was interesting because... The foster parents were really clear about what they wanted and what they didn't want for themselves and the child, mm-hmm. um, which a lot of times there's that just that clarity doesn't exist. A lot of people foster to adopt. A lot of people foster to foster. Mm-hmm. Well, this specific foster home was really clear. It's like, we want to stand in the breach. We want to stand in the gap. And we want to foster. We, 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 we do not want to adopt, but we want to help facilitate a long-term permanency option for any child that comes into our home. Almost to the point they bend over. As you can imagine, you know this with some of your homes, and it sounds like you've done this. They bend over backwards to work with this child to stabilize mm-hmm. them. And, and, and this takes several years, actually. Um, I think he got there when he was 14. And um, right around his 16th birthday, they identified a potential um, adoptive placement in Wilmington, um, which is, you know, if, if, if you know the state of North Carolina, it's a long state, yeah. wide, not as much north and south, but definitely east and west. And where this foster family started to really um, begin a co-parenting journey with the pre-adoption family in the Wilmington area all the way from Charlotte. Wow. And they were, and they were doing, I think that the success story is the foster parent made it more successful than Thompson, the agency, right? So I think we did our part in supporting mm-hmm. and, and supporting the needs, helping getting that child the services, um, you know, because not only do we do foster care, we also do mental health work. Mm-hmm. So we can wrap up a foster foster home or a child in a foster home with a plethora of different services to help them stabilize. So a lot of times what, what happened there is, and what happens in foster care, right? So child starts to act out. Maybe there was behavioral issues and it wasn't shared with mm-hmm. a foster family. So maybe what they got and what they thought they were going to get were two different things. So they're like, ooh, this is more than what we thought we were going to get and what we can handle. Mm-hmm. So what we try to do with foster parents that we support is let's keep an open line of communication. And if you feel that way, if there's a red flag come up with a child in your home, let us know early so we can really start um, placement stabilization work, mm-hmm. really embed them into services. And what we hear a lot, and we've heard it at Thompson, we're not, we're not, we haven't arrived yet. I want to be real clear on that. I, we want to get better. We're playing golf, right? So we want to get yeah. better every day. Yeah. But some days we're not hitting, we're not swinging the club too well. 
you know, so in those days we're missing the mark, but we use those to get better. But a lot of times we hear different things like, well, you know, I'm calling this worker. They're not responding. I've begged for services. I can't get services. Mm -hmm. And what we've done is build a robust continuum of services for children zero to 18. There's no reason a foster parent shouldn't be able to get services, whether it be by us or a partner organization. Mm -hmm. Um, And we take pride in that. So if, if a child needs services, we want to get them services and we want to get that family services really quick because we understand the impact of a placement move or a placement disruption. So in this case, um, they saw some things that they were unaware of. And sometimes as, as the privatized licensing agency, we're unaware of. Mm-hmm. And then as we start to dig into the, the paperwork or to the file, depending on how long a kid's been in the care, we identified, oh, okay, well, yeah, there's, there's, some, there's some trauma here that yeah. may or may not have been addressed. In most cases, we find it hasn't been fully addressed. Right. And in this case, this happened with this young man, and we wrapped that home up. Um, and really, they were what I call foster parent of the future. Um, it, it, this is the foster parent that sometimes drives people crazy, right? So they're calling, and yeah. and their their records and documentation are actually sometimes better than the actual caseworker's <laughs> documentation. And I, and I taught my, my workers back in Florida, I was like, whenever you have a foster parent like that, don't be bothered by that. Embrace that, because they actually care about this child. They care about quality of care. Those are the parents we want. Yes. Not the ones that don't call us. Not the ones that don't demand quality. Right. That don't demand services for them, their family and their children. Mm-hmm. So that's, that happened because of this foster parent. You know, we did our part, but this foster parent was so adamant. You know, this, this foster parent was a foster parent of the future. Yeah. Right? So they were adamant. They were an advocate for that child. And that's what we want in our foster parents. Right. I have no interest in foster parents that want to come and collect a check and think that they can actually use that to supplement their income. Because you can't. No. You just cannot do it. We cannot pay you enough. The county cannot pay you enough to supplement your income to care for a child. No. How do I know that? One is I do this work, and two is I'm a parent of five. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> you know, and to your point, on as they get to be teenagers, they start eating steak. Yeah. The steak costs more money than burger. Yeah. So, but, you know, this, th- I think the biggest thing when I look back at this story, it was the advocacy of this foster family, both the foster mother and the foster family, and the foster father, and them really wanting, they almost willed this child to permanency. Yeah. I mean, he was a 16-year-old young man, had a, had a history of placement stability issues, had a history of worker changes. Um, and in some cases, I don't, I don't like to use the phrase, the system failed, because I've been part of that system for a long time. But the system wasn't maximized. I'll say it in that way, maybe. We could have done a better job, because we're part of that system. Yeah. I can't point a finger at a county or a state and say, this is the problem. We're part of it. So we either have to be part of the solution or part of the problem or just step aside. Yep. So we, be- we believe that we're part of that and we need to provide solution. But what they did was amazing. They just said, we're going to get this child. We're going to find this child permanency placement. We're going to get active in that. So they went above and beyond the call of duty. That's awesome. Um, and then actually I got a chance to meet this young man. And, and then eventually he ended up going to the um, adoptive, um, place, pre-adoptive placement at that time in Wilmington. Well, they didn't stop there and say, wish you well, you know, they stayed connected. They went out in Wilmington with their biological children and visited the child um, and still do to the day. And he was actually adopted over a year and a half ago. Absolutely. So well, he's, they're part of his lifelong support system and extended family. And they need that. Those yeah. kids need that. Yeah. And that, so. that's, a, that's an example of the power of foster. Mm-hmm. And that same foster home, you know, that same foster parent will get up um, on, on platforms like this and other things and, and share. And, and he's, he will say this all the time. He's like, he was like, we didn't change this child. This child changed us. Mm-hmm. What the, ch- the, the foster children in their home have benefited them 
and their family, their biological family, including their biological children, more than they've benefited those children. Mm -hmm. And when he talks about it, I literally, and I've been doing this for a long time, I get goosebumps Mm -hmm. to hear that. And I think that's another problem with foster care. There's this stigma, right? There's a stigma of, oh, well, these kids are this, these kids are that. They're they're battered, they're bruised, they're traumatized, absolutely. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about that. Could you imagine, I told you the story before, I used to travel 220 nights a year, and I used to feel uncomfortable sleeping in a $350 a night hotel Mm-hmm. That was plush. Mm-hmm. Well, because it wasn't my home. Right. Imagine a child now. You know, I'm a. I'm not going to tell you what I'm. I'm in my 40s and almost to the 50s. But you know, and I didn't feel comfortable. Imagine a, a seven-year-old child that was removed from their home quickly. Um, I don't like use the analogy. I hope to God that children aren't removed with garbage bags anymore. I know you guys do some different things to that, and if they are, <sighs> you know, the system needs to recalibrate because that's not appropriate. Um, and anything we can do to that to help with that, I want to help. But, you know, at the end of the day, the moment you remove them from that environment, you put them in a new environment, they're not going to be comfortable. Right. They're not going to sleep well at night. And, and that's where foster parents really need to stand in the breach and understand that they're coming with that. And if we could do a better job on the front end, these teenagers on the back end, one is there going to be less of them. And two, it's going to be more manageable. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you coming. Um, Thompson is, I just feel like y'all are a great agency. I'm excited to kind of partner with you guys and come alongside. We've been coming alongside your families for years, but um, just meeting you and talking more about this uh, teen foster care program. I'm excited about that. So in the fall, there'll be training for that. So if somebody's watching this or listening to this, we will also put your website on our website, lotcarolinas.com. Um, y'all can always call the office. We'll tell you exactly where to go. But thank you, Will, for coming and talking to me today about this. Yeah, outside of you thanking me, just thank you for what you um, personally and professionally are doing, what your organization is doing. When I came out here, I think it was about six weeks ago, um, you know, I was amazed by what I saw out here. I mean, kudos to everything that you guys are doing to support foster children and foster parents. And I think that was, I think you were telling me a distinguishment is you guys are focused on the child in addition to the family, and where a lot of organizations are really focused on the family, and they need support too. Absolutely. But I just love everything that you guys are doing. And, 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 and again, as I said this, you know, probably a little bit more humble, but I've done this work in several states, not just Florida, um, Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Vermont, um, South Carolina. I mean, what you guys are doing is second to none, the quality of how you're doing it. Uh-huh, thank so you. thank you guys for what you're doing to support not only organizations like us, but the children and the families. And, and I said this, I said, it's, it's, in some way, it's a shame that you guys exist. Because, you know, right? Because we should right. be, do, the system, if it was calibrated correctly, should be able to do all that. As an agency that does this, we should do all that. But just know that we're super appreciative of what you guys are doing and that you're walking side by side with us to support this uh, these children and the foster homes. Well, thank you. But... Thanks for coming, and I'm sure we'll be seeing more of each other and uh, along this journey, so thanks for being here. Yeah, I hope to. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you for joining us for Foster Carolinas. And now, guys, come on. Everybody can do something for kids in foster care. What is your something?